Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin. It's my honor today to chat with a very special guest who will share her unique fertility and pregnancy journey. As a woman who had sustained a spinal cord injury in her youth, she had important things to consider when navigating her reproductive journey. A native of the Pacific Northwest, she studied psychology and is currently a working therapist. She's here to chat all things pregnancy, motherhood, and shattering the stigma surrounding non-conventional pregnancy. Megan Kelleher, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's a true honor. So I will just say from the beginning for listeners, it's going to be part one of a two-part podcast because there's a lot to talk about here. And as Maggie told me, when she started looking for information for unique pregnancies after spinal cord injury, there was very little information available. And I think for both people in the same situation and for other people, it's really important to have information that's not currently widely available. I even had a patient with the same scenario and, you know, I knew very little and I learned a lot from her. I think everybody will learn a lot today from you, Maggie. So let's start at the beginning. Where are you from? I'm from Owensburg, Washington. It's a small town, kind of right in the middle of the state. A lot of apples? Uh, we are famous for our rodeo, actually. Oh, really? More rodeo than apples? Yeah. Apples are more like Yakima, which is kind of south of us. Oh, I could travel up and get some apples and hit the rodeo and come home. You'd have a great time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you had a spinal cord injury when you were very young. Yeah, when I was nine, I fell off some playground bars and suffered a C345 injury. And at that time, in the moment, did you realize how substantial the injury was? No. When it all happened, it was very strange just because I was so young. I don't think I understood like the impact of what it actually meant. So I was just looking to go out and play and continuing to be a kid, and that kind of stalled it for a little bit. Sure. I mean, do you remember the fall? I remember. So I was hanging by my knees, like upside down. I was a gymnast when I was younger, so doing oh. tricks all the time. So it wasn't anything abnormal. I was hanging by my knees. And then all of a sudden, I just remember being face down on the ground in like the cedar chips, you know, that they have under. The- oh, underneath. Yeah. And then, you know, being in the ambulance, being helicoptered, like there's these brief flashes of it. And do you know how high you were up off the ground? So I don't remember. I wasn't extremely high off the ground. It's those playground bars that, you know, there's the lower level, a middle and a high one. And I was on the middle one. I never went over the lower one. (laughs) (laughs) And then, I mean, did you land on your head? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I landed on my head and I was kind of in a face down position, if I remember right. So I don't even know what happened. You know, I'm a big believer that everything happens for a reason. And that mm-hmm. one, I don't have a logical explanation for how I fell. It's just, it had to happen, I guess. Were there other people around? Yeah, I was with my really good friend, Jen, and she was there and she helped me get help for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you mentioned the helicopter is that because where you were, there wasn't like a substantial trauma in it. Yeah. It's a fairly small town. And so I was airlifted to Harborview in Seattle. Okay. And how did things progress when you got there? I think I was in surgery pretty soon. I don't have very good memories of it. It's kind of in and out. And then I was transferred to Children's Hospital for the recovery portion of it. I think I was in that hospital for like two, three months. 
Wow. I mean, when they did the surgery, when you came out of surgery, were they giving you ideas on what long-term effects you would have? Yeah. And I think they were telling me that stuff all the time. And just being a kid, I was like, well, what can I go play? You know, I didn't, <laughs> I don't know. I remember just being like, yeah, why are you talking to me? Like, I got to go. But I think they were trying to be like, no, this is going to look different when you come home. And how was that transition back home? Well, my family is amazing. So I think I've had one of the better transitions. They're just you know, super supportive and willing to do anything to support each other. All right. So to what extent were the injuries and how did the new picture look for you? What were you able to do or not do? I was pretty immobile from the beginning. And then slowly as I recovered, I gained more strength, more ability. But in the beginning, I couldn't even itch my nose. And that a lot of through physical therapy, occupational therapy, a lot of that came back. So obviously can't walk, but I have movement in my arms that I can use like my fingers. I don't have control to open and close my hand and things like that. As people with disabilities know, you just get really good at adapting to things. So figuring out how to do things differently. But yeah, navigating the house in a wheelchair. Of course, there were some crashes to the walls, stuff like that, but got better at it. When you were really little, when this all started, because I know that the wheelchairs today, they have like incredible chairs that can do a lot. Did they have that kind of technology when you were little? Yeah, it was pretty good. It's a lot better now, as you say, but I still had a chair that tilted back and to relieve pressure sores or just being able to move around. But yeah, the turning radius has gotten a lot better. All right. I want to find out more about uh, what it was like to grow up and to adapt. And then we'll get to soon pregnancy and childbirth. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart, literally, omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new omega-3 soft gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Maggie Kelleher. All right. So once you figured out what you had to work with, I mean, at nine years old, you're just still in middle school. How was that, you know, going back to school for you? It was really bizarre leaving school one day, able body and coming back one day in a wheelchair. So it was just strange to navigate that. Over time, it became more normal. But in the beginning, it was very much just all the things I couldn't do because I was so used to doing so much. Right. I mean, imagine as a gymnast, you did a ton with your body and more active than most. Yeah. Uh, 
So the contrast for you must have been bigger than it would be for other people. Yeah, I come from a really super active family, swimming, gymnastics, football, basketball, you name it. So yeah, that was a big chunk of hobbies taken away. So figuring out, you know, what else do I like to do? Yeah. So first of all, are there active things that you can still do? And also what hobbies replace those things? I got pretty into drawing. Um, I got really into TV shows and making little movies, things like that. Spending time with friends, of course. A lot of my time ended up being spent just being in a server, you know, really paying attention to people because a lot of times I wasn't the one getting to interact. So I was the one on the sidelines, but I think it helped me become more empathetic, more aware, more keen to details. You know, it helps me in my job today as a therapist. So that became an odd little hobby, I guess. It actually, it makes sense. A therapist who really is observant can really pick up a lot. Yeah. In addition to all the training and skills that you have, it's just a, your mode of operation is to be looking and listening and picking up on things. Mm-hmm. Got really yeah. good at that. <laughs> yeah, it's an extra cool skill for what you do. Do you do exercises and like, you know, by high school, I imagine the injuries that you have were set. They weren't going to change too much. In high school, were there things that you need to do or want to do? And also, are there things that you get to do? Like as an active person, are there organizations or resources available for you to be able to be active in whatever ways you're able to? Yeah. So I do a thing called a standing frame. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but no is just a pretty basic device that helps you stand up. And so that's really good for circulation and bone density. So I try to do that for, if I can, an hour every day. And I've done that since my injury. So that's been really helpful. It's not really aerobic or anything, but it gets the blood flowing. I also have an arm bike. So it's similar to a bike that you do with your legs. It's stationary though. And I do it for cardio for my arms. And I've been doing that for lots of years. In terms of any sports, I can kind of play tennis with my husband a little bit. It's nothing like, I don't know, I wouldn't win any awards for it, but you would. <laughs> it's fun though. So I like that. And my dad's really into fitness. So he's always helping me come up with different ways to, uh, you know, tie stretch bands to do kind of workouts and stuff like that. So kind of being innovative with that stuff's been fun. Do you have some use of your legs? I can move them a little bit, nothing to the effect of putting like weight on them to stand or anything. But if I need to kind of move my foot, I can move it a little bit or I can lift my leg up if I need to kind of wiggle, but nothing big. Do you have sensation? Yeah. So that's the thing that I think when I meet any doctor, they like don't believe me at first because with that injury, it is incomplete. So it wasn't completely severed. But most people, you know, lose sensation, a good chunk of it. But I can feel all the way to my toes. I can feel if something's in my shoe, all that stuff. So that's been really, I'm really thankful for that still being yeah. intact. All right. Again, I'm so grateful to you for how open you are. And I would love to continue the journey. We're going to just take another little break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We are talking to Megan Kelleher. Okay, so 
college. Like, at what point did you start to think about career and what you want to do? That's a good question. I always knew I wanted to major in psychology. I was really into forensics and things like that in high school and yeah, forensics and psychology. So I declared right away psychology when I went to college and then I added communications as a major as well because I was thinking, well, maybe I want to go into advertising of some sort. And then once I graduated, it was really hard to find a job with an undergrad and and those degrees. Great degrees, but usually, at least from my experience, it needed to go further in education to really get a job in a field that I really wanted to do. And so I ended up deciding, you know, what's a job where I sit a lot? And I thought, well, a therapist, Mm -hmm. actually, you know, I'm suited for that one. And it sounded really interesting. So that's what I ended up studying in my master's program, counseling psychology. And uh, that's what you do. You're a therapist. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it seems, I guess this is what we said before, is that I, I feel like sometimes therapists are, after sitting all day, just very antsy in the seat. <laughs> but you're used to it. So were there challenges in doing a graduate program through college for you? I think the biggest thing is just accessibility structure-wise. So buildings that are only stairs or the doors are not automated, stuff like that. So those were probably my biggest obstacles, just physical barriers that, you know, that easily could have been a ramp or there could easily be a button there. Um, so I'm a big advocate for those things to get fixed. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it sounds like in general, like the world was moving in that direction anyway, trying to be as accommodating to as many people as possible. Yeah, it's getting better. Okay, so you're married. Yes. How did you meet your husband? We actually met in the fifth grade. Whoa. Yeah. It's not as sweet a story as that sounds. We (laughs) did not talk to each other, and it was very much the boys against the girls in fifth grade. So I met him in fifth grade, but we didn't start dating until I was like 19 or 20. We reconnected through a mutual friend. How was dating? It was fun. I liked (laughs) it. My husband's just a really great person. So it was easy. Oh, well, that's nice. (laughs) So if you were 19 or 20, how long were you together before you decided this is it? You're the one. Well, I think we both kind of knew pretty early on, but we ended up dating for like five years before getting engaged. And so... We started dating in 2007, got married in 2013. Okay. And then were you talking about kids early on? I don't even think it was a conversation we ever had. Oh, in all the years of dating? I don't remember one. Maybe it happened, but I don't remember it. Do you Um, guys each have siblings? Yeah, we each have a lot of siblings. Do you? Yeah, we each have three siblings. (laughs) Oh, which one are you out of the four? I, uh, so I have an older brother and then it's me and I have two younger sisters. Are you guys close? Yeah. Yeah. Especially me and my sisters. One lives near me and the other one lives in my hometown, but we're really close. That's Um, nice. Which one is your husband out of the four there? He's the oldest. Ah, the oldest and the first middle child. (laughs) Yep. I would say you are. Okay. So if you weren't talking about it early on, when did it come up as a thought? I uh, 
So my brother ended up having a kid with his wife. And I remember just kind of watching that and being like, hmm, I think I can do that too. And I think it just was never on my radar of something to do because I just doing kind of anything that a quote unquote normal person would do, right? It's a little bit harder for me. And so that wasn't really in my radar. But then I saw that and I was like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, him and his wife are great and stuff. So just being exposed to it and seeing that and being like, oh, I actually, I think I want that. Yeah. And it felt doable. I was like, wait a minute. I think I can make this work. Do you remember your first conversations about it? Yeah, I remember checking in with my husband, just saying, hey, you know, I'm I'm thinking about this. What are you thinking? He was like, well, I'm good either way. If we end up not having kids, I'll be happy. And if we do, I'll be happy as well. So I think he very much recognizes it's if the woman's getting pregnant, that's a big part on the woman there. So Yeah, the whole thing, pregnancy (laughs) and and beyond. Yeah, he was just supportive. And he was like, I think we'd be really great parents. So. I bet you are. All right. Well, we talked about a lot, and um, not only are we going to take a break, we're going to do a part B to this episode to really find out more about your fertility, pregnancy, birth, and parenting journey. Tune in for part two, and we'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. If you'd like to connect, visit us on Instagram at Dr. Berlin. It's D O C T O R B E R L I N.